How is everyone doing? Great. Uh, it's such a privilege and honor uh, to worship God, to sing the last song, especially to sing holy, holy, holy towards God, joining angels and heavenly beings to tell God. It's, it's such a privilege for me to join you guys. And uh, so my name is Dina, and I'm part of the Riverside Lisbon team here. And if you're new, if you're visiting us, uh, if this is your first time in a church, you are very welcome, and we are happy that you can join us. Uh, we're going to open this time with some scripture reading from a passage in Ephesians. So if you can open your Bible apps or in your language, or if you want to just follow from the slide, feel free to. So this is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day comes, day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, as we continue the next one, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is Lord's word. Um, we are in the middle of a sermon series called uh, River Deep. So as a church community in this season, we are challenging ourselves to dive deeper in the God's word, to dive deeper in understanding the love of God, to dive deeper in our commitment to God, to dive deeper to fulfill God's purpose for us in our lives. So a couple of weeks ago, Pedro started this series uh, showing us the vision from Ezekiel. So Ezekiel sees this vision of a river, starts from inside the temple from God's presence, and it goes all the way outside and fills the rest of the land. And everywhere this river flows, there was life. And when Pedro challenged us, saying God's presence came to us to, to fill our lives, and are we ready to allow God to work in our life? Are we ready to allow God's presence? Are we ready to allow God's power to transform our lives? And Reuben picked up last week from where Pedro left off, and um, Reuben explained beautifully the different uh, dimensions of God's love, how deep it is, how wide it is, how high it is, and how beautiful it is that God's love and how God's love should be our motivation to, to dive deeper. The more you understand God's love, the more your life will change. But we can all agree uh, it's easier said than done. Uh, calling for full commitment to Christ and following Christ uh, it's always, you, when you hear it, you get, yes, let's do it. Or maybe you say, maybe not today. Uh, 
but it, it, it's, it's not always an easy path towards where you go. So today we're going to, um, so the couple of problems, as, as I was saying, that we face is either you think today, I, I understand God's love, I understand God has a purpose for my life, I understand the commitment that we need to give to God, but maybe not today. Maybe this is not a good time for me. I, I, my life is pretty stressful. I have a lot of things going on. I'm still looking for some stability. I like the God thing, but maybe a little bit later. Or we choose the other way where we usually dive deeper. I love this. Let's do it. And then a couple of weeks later, or like someone was saying just before, they're saying maybe a couple hours later, it's hard to follow that. It's hard to um, personally do that. And for me, uh, I raised my hand in the beginning for when Gabby asked, my week was around 7 to 10. Or she has 5 to 7, 7 to 10. So I had a really good week. I had a very good week with my walk with God. I, I, I did everything that I wanted to do. I had a very productive week at work. But every time I have a good week, the next week, I'm already thinking, oh, I'm going to mess up this week because it went up. Now it has to come down. And it's, it's always this, this, this roller coaster in your walk, in your personal walk and also your walk with God. And it's, it's kind of discouraging, isn't it? it, it you, you think about it, you're like, I want, some, I want to go straight. I want to go stability. And this morning, we are going to explore how the scriptures address this issue. So we'll try to answer three questions today. The first one is, why is this hard? Why following God is hard? Or why committing to God or diving deeper as God calls us for is, why is it hard? The next question we're going to answer, how do we fail? What are the different ways that we usually fail? So that we need to know why is it hard. We need to know how we fail so we can address it. And final question we're going to see how we are going to fight back because we are not losing this battle. So we are going to fight back and we're going to find out how. So why is this hard? First question. So we're going to go back to the passage in Ephesians here. Uh, so Paul writes this passage to the church in Ephesus. So church in Ephesus is uh, living in a very multicultural city, uh, pretty much like Lisbon. They, they have a lot of philosophies those days. They have a lot of religions in Ephesus. And that's where Paul had this argument with, this, uh, with the people there when he spread the gospel. So Paul writes this letter to Ephesians. And chapter 6, which is the last passage that he's finishing this letter, and he says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. So, uh, why is this hard? Well, looks like that answers the question. There is a devil. There is an evil one out there. There is an enemy that we need to struggle with. So, um, who's excited to talk about the devil this morning? Wow, no one wants to talk about it. Okay, so maybe you should rephrase. Who likes horror movies? Okay, there's Pedro likes, Seppi likes, Novi likes. I used to like horror movies. I, I, I watch a lot of horror movies when 
when I was in college, when I used to live in a dorm with my friends, we love watching movies, and then I can go to sleep, and I'm not scared. Now that I live alone, I, 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 it's not worth it. It's not just, I need to get water in the middle of the night, and I, I can't do it. And for some reason, I think, when you turn the lights on, they're, you know, they'll be there. But if you don't turn it on, you're okay. So um, That's the way we think about devil sometimes, right? We think about devil as a supernatural being, uh, doing supernatural things, but in a very visible way. He will just crawl on the walls, hang from the ceiling, and uh, the chairs rocking back and forth. Uh, we, we always think like that. And, and some cultures in the past, even today, we credit everything to the devil. Why is this going wrong? Oh, it's the devil. That's what's doing it. And even Christians do that sometimes in church that we, we say, hey, why don't you control your temper? Oh, devil is making me do it. It's making me mad. Uh, why are you late to work every day? Oh, devil is creating traffic on the way. The bridge is always in traffic, so I can't cross the bridge. Um, that is not a very biblical idea, is it? Uh, Bible scriptures, especially uh, in New Testament, when it talks about devil, it's, it's never one-dimensional. Uh, evil is not just, oh, it's always a devil. If you read John, uh, uh, John's letters, he talks about fighting the flesh. He talks about fighting the world around you. It's to, and it also talks about fighting the devil. So it's very multidimensional where your evil is within you because we are sinners, and the evil is around you in the world because we are living in a sinful world. And evil is also above you, which is the enemy, which is the devil. So maybe the next time we struggle um, with our habits, with our things that we need to change, we shouldn't always look at it might be the devil. We also have to look at is it, is it my flesh, is it my personality that I need to change, that I need to work on? Or maybe it's the world, which is, it's your community, the way you grew up. Maybe it's your upbringing, how you were groomed. Maybe that's something you need to work on. Uh, for example, if you are always late, maybe you're just Portuguese. So, um, <laughs> do, 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 no, do, don't judge me. I, I asked permission to make that joke. And uh, they said it's not stereotypical. So. <laughs> so Christianity and scriptures always uh, addresses evil in a very multidimensional way. And this is what C.S. Lewis, a uh, theologian from a couple centuries ago, said. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the evils. One is disbelief in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialistic or a magician with the same delight. So he's pretty much saying either the two errors that you can make as Christians is either we believe too much or we never believe them in at all. And devils, they're happy with both errors because they can, they can operate very well when we make these errors. So the first thing about the enemy is we shouldn't overestimate the enemy. The enemy does not have control of our lives. 
Josh, if you go back to passage one again, the slide one, and you, you can see that even before Paul talks about, for our struggle is against the flesh, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, powers of this world, even before he said all that, he said, be strong in the Lord so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So the truth is, we can take a stand. Let's not overestimate it. Maybe he has all the powers. Maybe he's operating from a spiritual realm, and I'm here. I can't do it. He said, no, be strong in the Lord, and you can do it. So the first thing about it, don't overestimate the devil. God is still sovereign over all things in the world presently. Not just in the future. He is sovereign over in the past, in the present, and the future. On the same note, uh, if we go back to the, the quote from C.S. Lewis, sometimes we do disbelieve in their existence, and sometimes we underestimate the devil. And Paul, Paul just didn't say there is a devil out there trying to get you. He's saying powers. He's saying darkness, and he's saying schemes. So it, it's not just one thing. It, they have this whole system of things going on that it, they are trying to uh, achieve what they want to achieve in, in, in our people's life. So especially in today's world, uh, in Lisbon, let's say, it, it is really hard to talk about a supernatural evil, isn't it? It's really hard to tell someone, oh, there is something out there trying to get you. Um, people think it's a very tribal idea. People think it could be uh, very old-fashioned, maybe in some part of Eastern world or South America or African way, that's what they think about. Now here we are very um, modern, so we don't want to think about evil in that way. And they, we pretty much try to explain everything with science, with natural cause. Um, why do they make some evil? Oh, maybe it's their psychology, maybe it's their sociology, which could be true, which is, I'm not omitting that, there is definitely a certain reasons of why they do this, and you can explain based on how they brought up and what their psychology is. But I'm here to present that view is very one-dimensional view. Um, if you try to answer questions of evil in the world, which is monstrous evils, not just cheating, not just stealing, I'm talking about Holocaust, or world wars, or ethnic cleansing, or or human trafficking, or sex abuse, or rape, all these evils are monstrous where you cannot just look at it and say, that's just the society problem. Or even racism. People in the last century argued, well, racism may be now. The next century, if people are more educated, people are more literate, they'll, everything will be fixed. And we know it's not fixed. So. Although the societies, although the humans, although we evolve in a, for a good way, we evolve in a, a literate way, we evolve more to respect each other, evil always stays in a different form throughout the history, right? That's why it's hard to just say humans are responsible for all the evil and they have no influence from outside. And... If you think about it, it is also a little, uh, having a low view of humans saying that 
all the things that humans did throughout the history, they are solely responsible and they have no influence from outside, which is a very simplistic view. And it also, you are making humans very low opinion. So answering the first question, uh, instead of all the philosophies, why is this hard? Because we have an enemy from outside. And you're not only fighting your own flesh, you're not only fighting the world around you, you are also fighting an enemy above you who was trying, whose, whose, whose goal is to make us fall, make us blind towards the gospel, whose goal is to, if you are in church, make you astray from the truth, whose goal is to take, he's going to go down, right? We know in Revelation, we know what, what's holding in the future for us, but he just wants to take as much with him. So that is why is this hard. Now that takes us to the next question. How do we fail? Paul says in the, in the first passage, he says, devil has schemes and plans. So the word schemes and plans, uh, it's, it's, in that sense, it's more like a military term, right? You see the struggle, the the armor, so it, it's a very military term where devil has a scheme and plan for each one of us. So it's, it's not going to be the same scheme that uh, he's working with angel. It's, it's not going to be the same one he's going to work with me. Not going to be the same one to know we. So devil has a own different schemes, own different plans, all different lies that you use to get people. So... Again, when I say these things that he's trying to get you, it's not, he's not going to scare you at night. Uh, before we take one step back and understand what the word devil means, right? The devil, the actual root word is diablo, which is literally mean a liar, a slanderer, an accuser. So devil is not someone who's just going to scare you because that's not going to work. The only thing he can get us is by lying to us is by telling us something. He's, he usually takes the truth and just alters it a little bit and presents it back to us. So Tim Keller, uh, one of my favorite theologians, categorized the broad schemes of devil into two categories. So first one is temptation, and the second one is accusation. So temptation is pretty much having a very high view of yourself and Accusation is having a very low view of yourself. And th th these categories work very well for even with people outside the church and even with inside the church. So if I'm the one outside the church, if I'm the one under temptation, devil will tell me, you are good. You are not bad like everyone else. You don't need God. And if I'm on this side of accusation, he's going to say, you are really, really bad. You can't go to God. He's not going to take you. He's not going to love you. And, and you can see um, in these in this categories that it's, it's true on one end. You are bad. We are sinful. And it's, it's true on end. And okay, we are good. But you are not good compared to God's standards. And people usually on this side who don't want to go to church, who doesn't want to do anything with the religion, their usual argument or usual lie the devil puts in their hearts is, 
you don't need religion to tell you what's the way to go. You don't need religion to tell you which way to take. But Christianity is not telling you which way to take. The truth is Christianity is telling you Jesus is the way, is the truth, and is the life. You can't go to God without him. And sometimes we, th we think about our own standards, right? Uh, forget about, for a second, about the things, the spiritual things. But just even on a secular things, uh, you do, you want to go to gym. You want to work out three days a week. And you want to do your chores every night. You want to finish up everything. And do you usually do that every day? And do you usually try to live up to your own standards? It's, it's not. It's hard. It's hard to live up to our own standards. It's even harder to live up to God's standards. And that's why we need Jesus. And that's why we need a Savior who does it for us. And people on this side, they don't see that. They always see religion as something you need to do to get there. And they don't want to go there because it's too hard. On this side, I'm on the temptation phase. And devil is telling you, you know your past. You know how bad your past is. You know how cruel it is. You know the things you have done. You know the things you have failed so many times. How does God love you? Or it can, it can lie to you saying, uh, look at your life, how many bad things are happening right now in your life. How stressful it is. How is any proof that God loves you? But the Bible says, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. There is no sin, no scar deep enough that Christ's love cannot reach and heal. There's no sin. Whatever you're going through, whatever you went through in the past, Christ's love can reach. He can heal you, not just reach you and say, I love you. He's going to heal your past. He has a future for you. And that's the truth. And the devil is going to hide that part. And he's just going to focus on your past so that you always live there. And he uses the same categories for people inside church. Now that you believe in God, now that you believe you are sons and daughters of Jesus, and now you're trying to live your life, now you're trying to dig deeper to learning about God, to living out your life, living out your commitment. And he uses the temptation and accusation the same way. On the temptation side, the devil usually hides God's holiness and he stresses on God's grace. The usual talk, the usual things that you might hear on the temptation side is, oh, you were really stressed, so you deserve to do this today. You had a bad week, so you deserve to do this. Or you hear something like, oh, have you read the news? Do you see how many Christian leaders fail all the time in this area? So maybe it's not a big deal. God is not going to say anything. That's all right. Or the worst of all, which is, I hear this all the time, and I try to like fight it, but it's really hard is, hey, God's job is to forgive and show mercy, isn't it? That's what the Bible says. So, hey, whatever. We can, we can go to God anytime. He's always going to forgive you, which is the truth. God is going to forgive you. 
but that doesn't give us a license to just go live in, in sin. Paul writes to Romans and he says, he's tackling the same exact thing back then that we are tackling today. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who died in sin, who died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And Paul is not talking about struggling with sin. Yes, we do struggle with sin. He's talking about living in sin. We don't go and just live in sin because God can forgive you anytime. And that's a lie the devil tells you because he don't want you to see how holy God is. He don't want you to see what God's standard is. He don't want you to see the things that it took God to save you, the, the things he took God to deliver you from your slavery. On this other side, this, this is also a very dangerous one. The accusation side, the lies he tells you, and I'm more on this side. In, in generally, if I'm like, if I have to divide it up, I go like 70% this side, the lies I hear, and this side maybe 30%. Um, the first lie he can say is, hey, real Christians don't struggle with this. How do you struggle with this? Maybe you are not a real Christian. Or he can go, oh, you, you made a mistake. God is going to punish you now. So be ready for that. Or he can say, you cannot undo what you have done. It's, it's over. You sinned. Now you've got to pay the penalty. And this category is also is, is very important because this will take us into the self-hating mode that we're going to hate ourselves because we keep failing. And the more we hate ourselves, the more we fail. The more we fail, the more we don't see God's love. So what do we do? Every time the devil tells you the lie, every time the devil accuses you, you take a look at the cross. For every single time he accuses you, you take a look at the cross like five times. And keep your eyes fixed there. Because that's God's love. He's not accusing you for sin. So that brings us to the last question. How do we fight? So as I was saying, I, I, have like, I, I, I struggle because of my upbringing, because of my culture. I struggle more on the accusation side because I always want to achieve things. I always want to set a standard for myself. So whenever I fail... I feel bad. Whenever I fail, I hate myself. So how do we fight? The first one is know your enemy, which is what we studied in the first question. Our enemy is not just within ourselves, not just around us. He's also above us. He's, the enemy is, is the devil who is trying to make us fail. And the second thing, know his schemes personally for you, not just in general but more like you have to understand about yourself, about how you keep failing, how you can address it. The last one, put on the full armor of God. The, the passage, the first uh, two slides, it, it explains the different details of the full armor of God. But today, we, we are just going to do an overview of what this armor of God is. 
when you look at the passage, it says twice, uh, put on the full armor of God, put on the full armor of God. The first thing you notice, as it says in the name, it is the armor of God. Not the armor of us, not the armor that we create. It's not ideas, it's not philosophies, it's not programs, it's not different uh, habits that we built to protect ourselves. Yes, those are important, those are the things that will help us, but that's not ultimate. That alone can't get you where you want to go. You need the armor of God that God gave you as a gift. And Paul uses this whole military term of the armor of God. Um, and you can see the truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. Reuben advised that I come with the full armor so I can show you how, how armor looks. Uh, but I turned down that um, command. So, but I hope you guys know how an, what an armor is. So armor is something you wear when you go into a battle. Uh, it's not very common these days. But those days, especially when Paul writes this, he's probably writing from uh, a prison uh, in Jerusalem where he can see the Roman soldiers. And he can see them practice and he can see how they wear all their armor. And the thing about wearing an armor is when the battle come on you, when the, bat the enemy is trying to attack you, when the enemy is bringing things to you, you, don't, you can't tell the enemy, like, hey, hey, hold on, give me a couple minutes, let me wear the armor really quick, and then let's fight. Uh, it's not going to happen like that. So the first thing we need to know about the armor of God is it is from God. The second thing, we need to be ready. We need to be wearing this armor all the time. We can't just seek God or get what God gave us within the gospel just when the trouble comes. If you do that, you, you cannot face the trouble. It's too late. So you need the armor all the time. And what is the actual metaphor for this armor? What is actually like in, in your life, what does that mean? So the armor of God is actually is the privileges and the benefits that comes with knowing the gospel. And what I mean by privileges, I'm going to share an illustration. Uh, it's not from, I didn't create this illustration. It's from J.A. Packer. Um, so this is how the illustration goes. So back in the days, uh, there was slavery, right? They were used to be have slavery. And there was a slave living in a town where slavery is legal. And in that time, there, there were people in the town always bully him, always uh, be rude to him, always beat him up, but it's legal. He can't do anything about it. He can't go to a court. He can't do, he can't fight back because he is a slave. And later on, one day, the slavery was abolished. There is no more slavery. Slavery is not legal anymore, and all the slaves were given the equal rights. But in this town, the people are still bullying this slave. They are still beating him up. They are still trying to um, make him a slave. Packer says, the hardest thing for this slave to do is get up from the dust and walk to the court 
and file a complaint against these people who are misbehaving with him. Because he lived his whole life as a slave. He's used to it. He don't want to take this legal right now and go to a court. It's too much. He's like, I'm okay. It's fine. They're beating me up. I'm going to take it. This is exactly what happens with our benefits of the gospel. It's our legal right that God gave us. He earned that right for us. And sometimes we don't take it. Sometimes we leave it on. We don't need the armor now. Maybe we don't need it. I'm used to living like this. I'm used to fighting this habit just by my habits, just by, by programs. I'm so used to doing life this way. I really don't need the armor. I don't need the legal right. So we, we understood today that devil is the accuser and he's the tempter. So what do we do? How do we fight back? We take him to the court. We preach back to him the gospel. When we go through the accusation phase, we take the gospel to the accuser and tell him, he was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. So, accuser, buddy, if, you, if I owe you anything, why don't you go talk to my Jesus? I owe you nothing. I have no debt to pay. Or when we go through the temptation phase, when we're getting deceived, when we just pulled into this old habits, when we pulled back into the old life, we're going to take the same gospel, same privileges, same legal rights, and give it back to the devil, saying, I don't, I don't have to do that anymore. And it, it, we, we fix our eyes on the cross. So that's the beauty of the cross. The cross shows God's love, and it also shows what it took God to save you, what it took God to free you from slavery. We use the gospel to fight. That's how we win this fight. We are in the battle for our lives, and we need to put on the armor of God if you want to win, if you want to... If you want to move forward, or, or we keep failing, right? We, 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 we are in this whole circle of, um, and, and it's especially in this crowd, we are from different parts of the world. We I see people from different continents and different, you grew up with the different ideas, and, and it's very easy to use those ideas in your fight against, fight against the evil, and we tend to do that most of the times. But we do have a privilege in the gospel that we need to use. We're going to go back into uh, a small time of worship again. And I'm going to invite the worship team here. As we meditate on this, think about what it took God to give us this armor. 2,000 years ago in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus let his God down. He gave up his armor so that you and me can pick it up, so that you and me can use it today.
at the cross he was naked he was tore up and a spear went through his body so that we don't have to take a spear anymore so that we are protected forever now we need to take it and wear it now we need to take the right and appropriate it to our lives so if you're here today if you if this is the first time you're hearing the gospel if you want to know more about Jesus please come talk to me after the service or if you're here today you're coming to church for a while you you've been a part of this community you've been a part of a community uh somewhere else too and if you're here blaming yourself or beating yourself up or you're feeling tempted or deceived or you're feeling completely lost in your walk the first thing first order of business is jesus is calling you back don't worry about what happened in the past don't worry about how many times you failed don't worry about how you failed how bad you were first things first he's calling you back come back home the bible says in the parable of the prodigal son when the prodigal son returns the father didn't inquire him like hey give me how you wasted my money tell me what happened he didn't ask anything all he did is ran towards the prodigal son he hugged him and he welcomed him back and they had a feast so if you're ready to come back if you're ready to go back to the father he's going to welcome you with open arms and he's going to give you give you his armor that you can wear to fight the battles of this life so let's submit our lives to this loving father let's pray heavenly father we thank you for this day god we look at your love in christ alone we have this legal right in christ alone we have this righteousness in christ alone we have truth in christ alone we have life god we have we fought our battles our own way god all our lives we did it and even after believing the gospel we keep still fighting with ourselves we still keep fighting our own way god forgive us help us to come back god god we want your armor we want your help we want your righteousness god god we want to preach back to the accuser to tell him you paid our penalties we want to speak back to our tempter and tell him no i'm not a slave anymore god i have a relationship with you now god help us to understand that not only in our minds but in our hearts god write it down in our hearts inscribe it rah god in every part of our life in everywhere we move and everywhere we go let this gospel live out in our lives in the way we love others in the way we love you in the way we we live our daily life god let this be let your gospel influence us in all the way god we thank you for the 
price you paid for us. We thank you for the penalties you paid to get me out of my sin. We love you, Father. We exalt you. We give all the glory back to you. We pray in Jesus' name.